0: I just want to uh, introduce you to our speaker of the morning, and uh, I, really, I don't think you need an introduction, do you? Um, I think you laid the cornerstone of this church, didn't you? Well,
1: my dad preached from this pulpit. I gave my testimony from this pulpit uh, on the day I was baptized here. The baptism was at the Fair Dam. Um, do you know where that is?
0: I might have an idea.
1: Well, hey, so it's good to be back here. It's good to be here once again.
0: Well, Ron, we're very happy to have you here this morning. I'm just going to pray for you before you speak. Thank and you. then, uh, may um, God bless you as you do that. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Ron and for Ruth, but we, especially Ron as he brings your word to us this morning. Um, we just appreciate, um his uh, friendship and ministry that he's uh, had in this church over the years. Um, his roots are deep here in Troshu, and so as he comes this morning, I just pray, Father, that you would bless him, that you would bless his heart, and that you would use the words that he speaks to speak to us. Uh, we just commit him and his message to you now, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Ken. My voice is a little bit tight tonight or today, and uh, it's because I'm so excited to be here once again. You know, the first time I attended here at Toshu Baptist Church was in 1951, um, and uh, we, my dad came here to pastor, and uh, the foundation of my Christian life was established here in this congregation and in this community. And I thank God often for this church and for, for all of you. Some of you are new, but uh, others of you have become new because you don't look like you used to 50 years ago. And uh, it's just great to be here. A question for you. How well do you know Jesus? You know, I pastored a church. uh, Ruth and I were pastoring a church in Abbotsford. And it was a church that was primarily made up of elderly people. And uh, we did a lot of funerals. In fact, um, we did anywhere from 25 to 35 funerals a year. Now I didn't do them all. We had staff that was able to help with all of that. But I want to tell you that what was what was amazing to me was when I would hear the stories of the people that had passed away in their 80s, in their 90s, even somewhere in the hundreds. And I would hear the tribute that some family members Some community members would give of those people. And I would listen to that when you realize that some of those people I only knew when I was just um, in my 60s, 70s. And as I listened to that story, I would say, oh, wow, I wish I had known them better. Because they made such an impact, even in just hearing their story, the impact that was made on me. And then to think, I wish I knew Jesus better. Jesus asked his disciples that question. He asked them the question, and... Who do you say I am? It happened when the disciples were walking with Jesus to the northern part of Israel, and it was there near Caesarea Philippi. That was the center of government for the Romans at that time. It was the farthest north that we are aware of, That Jesus and his disciples traveled, preaching in the villages as they traveled, and so they arrived there. And Caesarea Philippi in that area was at the foot of Mount Hermon, which was the largest, the largest point, the largest mountain in all of Israel. In wintertime, they had snow on the mountain, and I understand sometimes it even lasted long into the season. And what was just outside of Caesarea Philippi was a fascinating sight. It was a hundred-foot cliff that cut into the mountain. And there at the bottom of that cliff was a huge cave. Ruth and I had the privilege of being there and seeing it on one of the trips that Pastor Alan took to Israel and we traveled with him. A huge cave that was called the Gates of Hell. Here's why. At that Point as you look at the photo of that cave right now. You see that the water is running very gently out of there. In Jesus' day, it was a torrent that was coming out of that cliff. It was all of the snow that was melting in Mount Hermon and was going through all of the the rocks that were there, and then it just gushed out. And There was this mist that came out with it. And when you looked at that cave, it just looked like smoke was coming out. And that's why it was called the Gates of Hades, the Gates of Hell. And of course, looking at that impressive sight, that awesome sight, you can understand that the people would look at it and say, what? is in there. And so the people gathered here and would worship their God. The first we know of was that the Canaanites worshiped the God Baal here. It was the Greeks that built a temple to the God Pam. It was the Romans that built a temple to the god Sus. And it was Herod the Great that built a temple to Caesar Augustus. It's probably more a political act than a religious act, but it was a place that came, people came with awe. And then on the face of the cliff, Were cut all sorts of niches that were there of other religions as people would find their God to worship here at this place. And it was a place that huge crowds of people would come and they'd find their God, their niche, or be afraid of the other gods that were there, hoping, crying out to find peace with God to somehow do something here that would keep their God off their back and not bother them. And it was here that Jesus, we don't read that he was standing here, but when I look at the context of it and where Caesarea was, I'm sure that Jesus and the disciples were here and as they stood and looked at the face of this and the great cave and the people doing their kinds of worship, burning their incense, it was here that Jesus said to the disciples, Who did? what do people say? Who do people say is the Son of Man? who do people say that I am? Now, when Matthew was writing this, as the writers did, they were just writing the story and going on. I think that what was happening here was a pause. And the disciples were thinking, man, what do people say? Somebody said, well, they think you're, John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Others say, um, you're Elijah. Somebody else would say, Jeremiah? And somebody else would say, "Or, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said to them, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Again, as we read this story, Peter jumps right in. I don't think that Peter jumped right in. This is one of the most significant questions that could be asked of all of us. Who do you say I am? What do you know about Jesus? What are you thinking when you think about Jesus? And I suppose that in the minds of the disciples that were there, the thought came up, well, you're a great miracle worker. Maybe, wow. What an awesome teacher you are. I've learned things. Yeah. Maybe they would have thought. You're just a wonderful person. I'm so glad I've spent almost three years with you. It was Peter. I don't think he gave a bombastic answer. I think this was thinking and coming from the heart as what Jesus suggested in a moment. You, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, the one that We have been waiting for. You are the Christ. Which was the Greek word. You are the Messiah. Which was the Jewish word. You are the Christ. The son. Of the living God. I think again, there was a moment of silence. I imagine myself standing there at this amazing place, looking at all of the gods whose scratchings and temples are all on this great rock. And I'm thinking of what Peter just said. You are the son of the living God. And I have no doubt as Peter said that. The disciples all turned to look at Jesus. I'm sure this was an emotional moment. They had heard a voice that said, this is my beloved son. But this is the first time he heard from the lips of one of the disciples. You are the son of the living God. The living God. I can't help but see in my mind Jesus fighting, struggling with tears at this moment. They've got it. They're getting it. And Jesus said, bless it. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. You have not received this from man, but it has been revealed to you by my Father. It was one of the greatest moments in the lives of the disciples. For the first time, they really were getting it. We understand this. Jesus asks that question of all of us. Who do you say I am? He's waiting for the same depth of an answer that came from Peter. An answer... That needed even more depth, more knowledge, more growing. You, you are the Christ, the promised one, the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. I have to admit, that so often when I think of Jesus, it's sort of, well, yeah, of course, I know you. I know you. Do you really know me, Ron? It's a moment that needs revelation from the Father. Not just something that some person has told you, some pastor has taught you. But you've heard from God the Father. Jesus, you are God the Son. Ron, do you know what that means? Do you know what that is? Do you know how that impacts your life? You are God, the Son. It only fully reveals to us and grasps our hearts and changes our lives when I've been open to hear from the Father. That's who this is. Jesus goes on to say, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by any man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, Petrus, you are Peter, and upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church. The word Petras, which now Jesus is called Peter, is a, a piece of the rock. Some people say it's a stone. No, it's a piece of the rock, Petros, Peter. And upon this rock, Petra, is a massive, massive, massive rock. It's so big I can't say the word. You are a piece of this rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Remember, they're looking at a massive rock. They're looking at pieces of rock that have been chunked out of this massive rock. It's deeper than that. This is the sun of the living God. And he is saying, Peter, what you have declared is the rock on which I will build the church, the kingdom of God. The redeemed, the people that have been changed. It's the solid Confidence that we have of the answer to Jesus' Christ question. Peter, when he's writing to the church, makes a reference to this. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. As you come to him, to Jesus... To the son of the living God. As you come to him. The living stone. Jesus. Re- rejected by men. But chosen by God. And precious to him God. You also. Like living stones. Petra says. A piece of the stone. You. You also as light, like living stones are built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood representing God to this earth. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. Wow. Did you know that about Jesus and you? Earlier, Peter writes in, in chapter 1 and beginning at verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In him, great mercy. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance for you that can never perish, never spoil, never fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power. These have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus is revealed through you, though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's who Jesus is. not just to hear this, but let it grip our hearts. And Jesus says to Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Put your name there. As you Get to know everything that you possibly can about who this Jesus is. And you declare with Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, God the Son. Jesus is saying to you, Blessed, blessed are you with your name is right there. Peter, there's more to learn. Ron, there's more to learn. All of you, there's more to understand. This is just the foundation of your life, your spiritual life with God. And it is on this rock, this Petra, this solid confidence in Jesus, that I will build my church. You know, we take the church so for granted, oh man, that's right it, it's we've got to go to church. Ken is singing today,. Yeah. Let's go. It's far more than that. It is about Jesus. When you are here gathered together, it's not about the pastor. It's not about the people around you. It's what Jesus is doing. With all of the redeemed that you are gathered with. And at this moment, there at this rock, Jesus is declaring, I'm doing something powerful. And he goes on to make one other statement. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's a lot of debate about that. We sort of get the idea that, okay, <clears throat> who, did, Peter gets the chance to say who gets in, and so... We live with the joke of we meet Peter at the door and he decides whether we can come in or not. That is absolutely false. I've used that joke a few times. It's not funny. This is serious. I'm giving you the key. What is the key? In the context of the conversation that is going on here, what is the key? The key is understanding all of the truth of the gospel. Boy, there's a, another whole message here. Can you skip dinner and supper tonight? <laughs> it is the reality Of what we face as human beings. Adam sinned. No. Adam rebelled against God. The lie that Satan gave to him that said. God is holding out on you. You can't trust him. You can be your own God. You can decide how to live your life. He knows that if you eat from this apple, you're going to be like him. You'll be your God. It's a disastrous lie. And the only way you can follow it is to say, God, I don't need you. I can be my own God. The only way that you can deal with this is to say I don't know if he even exists like all of these here. <laughs> and the result of that rebellion of Adam all of us are guilty. You say oh come on that's offensive. No. No. It may be offensive. It's real. We sin. Because we are sinners. We sin. Because we are lost. And the evidence of it. Is that we all die. When the soul and spirit are separated from the body, the body immediately begins to decay. When the soul and spirit are separated from God, the person immediately is lost, destroyed, ended. And there's no hope, no hope, except that God steps in. And God, the amazing miracle is this, death, death has no limits. We think of death as our body dying. Think of all the relationships that have died. Think of all the death that is there in even creation. And the Bible says it groans for us to be delivered from this. We we think that When the Bible tells us that we are sinners, we think that that's overstating it. And we think that because we have no idea of how absolutely devastating and destructive our sin is. And then God steps in. Romans 5.20 And as people sinned more and more. You got to listen to this. God's wonderful grace became more abundant. But you know when this is happening? Let me go back to verse 13 of chapter 5. Yes, People sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not any yet law to break. Well, you go back from Adam to Moses. Still everyone died. From the time of Adam To the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit from command of God, as Adam did, because they didn't have it. But even then they died. Why? Because they were guilty sinners. And then God gives us a law. So that we can get, finally realize, oh my, I, can't, I can try to keep those laws, but it's that bad. And in God's wonderful grace, He brought people from death and God's wonderful grace rules giving us the standing with God and the results in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord it's this key the reality of our lostness and the grace and wonderfulness of God It is this key that opens the door to the kingdom for us. It is this key that the gate of hell is locked from separating us from the love of God. And when Jesus says to him, I'm going to give you the key... Pay attention. Learn about me. Get to know me. Get to understand the truth. I was thinking today as we were singing some of these songs, pay attention to the words. You're talking to Jesus. You're learning something more about Jesus. I, I talked to some young people in, in church a couple of weeks ago, and was sitting in front of us, and we were singing the songs, and and they were just looking and talking to each other and looking, and I said, tried to be nice and you know a loving grandpa. We were we were talking to God. Oh, <laughs> I can't sing. I'm not gonna. You know, I'll embarrass everybody if I tried to sing. The music isn't the issue. It's the heart. I said, you know, that song there, I've never seen it before. I don't know how the music goes. I can't follow with the worship team as they're singing it. But I can speak those words to my God. I'm learning more about who he is and what he has done. I want more. And as we, as we deepen that worship, our hearts are growing in our love for God. It's the door through which we hear the gospel and enter into the life with God and the door against Satan and all of the terrible things that he throws at our lives, the confusion, the fear. That door is locked. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If Christ had not died for our sins. The world would have missed the most amazing display of God's love. Back to Romans 5. And you see at just the right time. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. Very rarely will anyone die for the righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I read something from Augustine that stunned me. He said, by the great transgression of Adam, we lost our life in Christ, we live again with a higher and nobler life. The Lord Jesus has brought us into a nearer relationship to God than we could have possessed by any other means. What other means? We are now creatures. We were God's creatures. But now, we are the sons the daughters, the children of God. We are now capable of the joy which unfallen spirits may not have known. The bliss of pardoned sin, the bonds which bind redeemed ones to their God are the strongest which exist You know, my parents, when they were pastoring here, were invited to, well, maybe it was mom's idea that she and dad would sing a duet at the ladies' aid meeting. My dad wasn't a very good singer, but he joined her. My mom played the guitar. They came here and sang it, and we heard this song rehearsed over and over again until, until my dad got it. <laughs> the course has always stuck in my mind. Holy, holy is what the angels sing. And I expect to help them make the courts of heaven ring. But when I sing redemption story they will fold their wings. For angels never felt the joy that our salvation brings. Wow. What a privilege. And the more that we know Jesus, the more we have reason to say, oh, I love you, Jesus. We stand at this great rock It's an amazing tourist site. But we hear the words of Jesus. Who do you say I am? If you've never made that declaration, don't, don't wait a minute long if you have said that declaration in your life, declare it again. Learn even more. Get serious about what you know about Jesus. Read his story. Talk to him. Walk with him. Let's bow even now. Every one of us close our eyes and repeat again in your heart with me. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. And Lord, we don't only want to pray that prayer here in church, in this service. Lord, we want that to be the guide of our life in this week, wherever we are in our homes, in our time of relaxing, in our moments of suffering and pain, in meeting with our friends, in meeting with people who don't know you. May our lives resound with the words, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Lord Jesus, we want to know you even deeper. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm done with my message. We're we're going to be ready to go, but I just want to tell you this. I talked to your pastor when he was pastoring in Medicine Hat, large church, beautiful church. And I said to him, Alan, I've got some churches in Calgary, large churches. I think you would do well there as pastor. Would you consider getting an invitation from them? And he said, no, Ron, no. Okay. Then when Jake Leverett was here and you were looking for a pastor, Jake said to me, you know, why don't you talk to Alan? That was my job in those days to find pastors. Talk to Alan Powell. I said, no, he he won't come. Well, Jake said, I talked to him. Well, if Jake tells me to do that, I better do it. <laughs> so I called Alan and told him about the church here looking for a pastor. And I said, would you be interested in coming? And I, because of what I'd heard before, I expected him to say no. <laughs> No, no, that's not for me. Instead, he said, you know, I want to pray about that. Really? Yes. I said, Ellen, what's happening in your life that you would even consider that decision of coming here to pastor the church in Trotia? he said i've always wanted to pastor a church in a community where the church could have an impact through all throughout the whole community wow that's who god has called to be your pastor. That's the kind of ministry that he's doing. Not just for himself, but for each one of you to join together in building the church on the rock. Opening the keys to the people in this community who need to be delivered from the grip of Satan, who need to come to the place to say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. They need to hear it from your lips. They need to see it from your lives. It won't be man that makes that happen. It will be what the Father reveals to you. He will do it. God bless you. Ruth and I pray for you. We love this church. We're excited about this church. And God is going to do even more. For his glory. May God be with you. May God. May you walk with God. May you you hear him. Tell you more. About this wonderful. Son. Of the living God. Go in peace.